Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Amped About Movies podcast. Today we'll be discussing the 2019 film Parasite. This movie follows two families in modern-day Korea as greed and class discrimination threaten a newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. There will be spoilers during our discussion, and we always recommend you watch the movie in advance if you'd like to get a more complete understanding. Next week we'll be discussing the 2019 drama-slash-fantasy horror film The Lighthouse so be sure to watch it if you want to enjoy the optimal listening experience. Now, on to the show. Today we'll be discussing Parasite. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and get started. Here, do you know any facts about this movie? Like the uh, year yes, it was made I and everything? Facts. <laughs> Tell um, me all about it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Parasite was uh, made in 2019. It um, is a South Korean film. Um, um, and I... Ooh. I was going to say the director, but I forget his name, um, and I don't want to mess it up. So, um, but he is an acclaimed director. Um, this is not his first film, um, and he's apparently like really popular in um, South Korea. Um, some people consider him like one of the best filmmakers um, of you know this period. Um, it won a lot of awards. It won the Palme d'Or at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it also won um, the Academy Award for Best Picture. Best Director, Best Screenplay, um, and I think one other one. Um, and with four Academy Awards, it uh, was tied for the most of 2019. Um, so those are some, those are some facts. <laughs> and it deserved it. It won Best Picture, right? It did. It did win. It was the yes, first uh, foreign film to win both the, uh, I think, Cannes uh, Film Festival and Best Picture at the Oscars. Am I correct in saying that? I think. I believe that's correct. In fact, I think it's the only foreign film to ever win Best Picture. Yeah. Um, like, The Artist won in 2012. Even though that was a French film, they didn't have any dialogue, so it wasn't technically like a foreign language film, I guess. What about um, Roma? Wait, Roma didn't win, did it? It did not win. It was nominated. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also a good movie. That was one David and I watched way back when. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was. He also so Bong Joon Ho also made Snowpiercer. I, I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. I actually I've seen up, that one as well. You you have. So I ended yep. up. I didn't know that he. I didn't know that he directed Snowpiercer. I watched Parasite on Thursday. Watched Snowpiercer last night, and all of a sudden I see his name pop up, and I'm like, oh my god, wait. This a, a, I did. He did Parasite as well, and then I also watched. Parasite again last night to take actual notes and um, Colin, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's interesting seeing how both of those movies um, cover uh, sort of a similar topic and some right. I think layover. At least what reading about him and his work, um, he really likes to do class interactions and different um, societal norms, right? Snowpiercer obviously way more. Um, literal in that sense. If you ever guys ever get around to seeing it, it's like it's literally the movie structured chronologically based on um, kind of class divides, and the whole premise is like you're moving up a train essentially, and, and as you go linearly throughout the film, you go from like the most bottom rung of class and wealth to the top, and you can see it very clearly, like this gradient. Well comparatively to this one, which is very like 
dual or I guess maybe triple. I don't know how much we mm-hmm. want to disclose of like spoilers in our discussion. I think we're going to assume um, that someone who's listening to this has seen the movie. Yeah, or is not spoilers. Yeah. concerned about <laughs> spoilers. Right. We're being unguarded. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know. I really love it. I love the symbolism within this film. Um, I love the fact that they literally act like cockroaches throughout it. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning of the film, like I didn't even realize it. Yeah, but my girlfriend told me about it, like that she realized they're like, oh yeah, they're literally getting fumigated in the first scene because they're bugs. And I was like, yeah, holy shit, like that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why don't you guys go around and talk about what you thought about this film? Okay, can I start? I literally Absolutely. just finished watching it. I, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we had a party last night because I was planning on watching it last night and then like people just stayed over. So we played beer pong and stuff. So I just woke up early and watched it. <laughs> so nice. I got done about 20 minutes ago. But um, I freaking love that movie, dude. It's so good. Um, it was, I don't know. I feel like the beginning of the movie, like the first third was almost like a heist film. You know, them yeah. like getting in, like like pulling it off, right? Doing the whole um, like the scene where they uh, made the woman have like convulsions or whatever, like what or allergy to peaches. Um, oh yeah, I thought that was so cool. Like them like going through and like planning it out, especially when they would cut it from like the conversations that the dad was having to like the script that they had. I thought yeah. that was incredible. Um, yeah, I thought that even though there was a I. Obviously, didn't understand the language. I thought the acting was fantastic. Um, I thought all the shots were gorgeous. The house, yeah. the set that they had for that was amazing. And then compared to like their grummy, disgusting basement with the toilet in the ceiling, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Um, and then like the the kind of second third of the film, I was just anxious the entire time when they threw the little party. Yeah. And I was like, I know this is going to happen. I'm just actively shooting my pants. I just couldn't really watch it. I was like purposely distracted myself a little bit. Because um, I'm like, I had to take several breaks. Awkward. Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was going to turn into like almost like a monster film. Because I'm so used to like American films where there's just going to be a CGI monster in the basement. And I'm like, like oh, I, I, I was like, I trust this film not to be stupid because everyone loves it. But I was like, I'm just so used to like, uh, uh, what's that one movie? Uh, uh, I was gonna say Section Eight, but that's not. That's um, what's the one with the kids in Dayton? Like a, the truck, Super Eight. Oh, Super oh, Eight. Yeah. See the movie, Super Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where they like it's just a big CGI monster, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. I'd like this movie up until this point. Now I'm just now it's just Godzilla. Like fuck. I thought that was yeah. gonna happen because I had the shot of them like going down the concrete basement. I was like, mm-hmm. there's going to be like a squid down there or something. Um, but no, I thought they, they completely met expectations. And then obviously the whole bit of the family coming home was, I just couldn't, I had to stand up multiple times. Yeah, but I was like, please sit down. Like, because I was like, <laughs> like, like, I was pacing around the room with my hands on my head. Um, Honestly, and, then, yeah. and I didn't know where the film was going to go from there. And then the, the whole flooding thing happened. And I was like, Oh shit! Like, so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Overall rating of the film, I would probably nine and a half slash ten. I loved it. I would, um, if I would have to give give anyone advice into like showing people foreign films, I would do this with a million percent over Akira. Like, it's such a good film. You don't even yeah, like 
That's a really good point. To, yeah. You have to get used to reading subtitles, but other than that, like, I, I loved it. It was so good. Yeah. I love yeah. the, just like one shot in particular when they were fighting with like the group, right? When they have the cell phone and they had the, the, the message written out and they were like making them dance essentially and mm -hmm. they were pretending to be North Koreans. And like then they have, they cut to the guy in the basement like thinking about being in the home and like basking in the sunshine and he looks and then it cuts the like the dad like tackling him. I love that so much. It was incredible. Yeah, um, that so, scene was yeah. so good. And there was like there was like I, okay, so much like north. <laughs> well, okay, like to that point, I did want to point out like I love that there was like so much um, like you you really learned a lot about like North um, and South Korea like attitudes mm -hmm. towards each other, um, and I, I thought that was just like brilliant. <laughs> so I, I, I yeah I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love, I love that he he also kind of broke the fourth wall. Like looking directly, that was the yeah. only time that anybody looked directly at the camera. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm, from, I'm, wait, I might have written that exact quote. I'm blanking on, on what he said, but, ah, oh, shoot, hold on, let me look this up. You guys go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up real quick. Dude, there, there. Speaking of direct looking at the camera, there was that scene, but also the scene where the boy is eating the cake, and then he looks over, oh, and he sees. Yeah. The eyes just staring at dude that was yeah. the creepiest shot that, that freaks my shit out of my chair when i saw that i was <laughs> oh my god i was not expecting that i think it's really interesting how like yeah. the boy the boy like seems to know that there's someone there yeah but I, he thinks it's a ghost i kind of called that well i called the the fact that like we were talking you and i were talking about this where it was like oh one of the kids are going to be able to trip it off and then when the kid ran around and smelled everyone and they were like, oh, they all smell the same. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, but their parents were ahead. so stupid. They like, were like, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> like, it's whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think, what would you guys think about the whole conversation about crossing the line? What is the line? Yeah, I think you were just talking I... about, like, him serving the other guy, right? Like, we were talking about when they were driving. Mm -hmm. Um and obviously, I'm not super accustomed to like having the help or whatever, because <laughs> I'm yeah from Ohio. Uh, so like, I think they were talking about him like just doing his job well, and then like when the guy almost uh, got in the car, like he, the the guy swerved in front of him, right, and he like honked in the horn mm -hmm. in that scene, um, and they told him to keep his eyes on the road. I think that they were referring to that, like them not being completely professional all the time. Hmm. See, mm -hmm. to me, the yeah. line was kind of like about the line between rich and poor, and almost like them and their ability yeah. to ignore. Oh, uh, okay. Like, yeah. See, them... go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I totally agree. I, I, it's, it's totally a distancing thing. Like, he's like, oh, I gotta keep my distance from like the people who work for me. You know? Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like he talks about when they're on the couch and the other three are under the table. And then he's talking about how, you know, that smell uh, that the driver has. And he's like, you know, it almost crosses the line. Like, it almost makes me think about what his life is no, like. No, no, no. He said that the, his smell crosses the line. He said everything else he doesn't, but the smell does. But then he asks right. his wife and he smells it too. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's like him being invasive, right? Like where he has to think about the help. Yeah. Yeah. I was interested. I don't think I fully got it. Have you guys watched it twice? I've only watched it once. 
I only oh, watched it once. I have watched it twice. Yeah. Okay. Did you time. pick up anything on the second watch that you didn't yes. really in the was it as enjoyable as the second time? It was a oh, it was... different experience. Oh, I bet <laughs> I bet you pick up on a bunch of little things then. Totally different. Um, for two reasons. I didn't really go sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say because the first so the first time I watched it with my sister and I wasn't taking notes at all because I just wanted to go through the experience as if I was just watching it and not trying to pick up on anything and see what I got. And then the second time, I was actively writing notes, and I just noticed all the subtleties, which was one of the things that I wrote down was, I think this is a great movie for all types of audiences, for the people that just want to watch something that's good and not have to think too hard because you can. there's stuff right on the surface level that you can understand, watch the movie, enjoy and still understand the meeting. But then for people who want to dive in and understand the director's vision and everything that he's trying to get across and the symbolism, there's all of that there as well, um, which was one of the things that I loved. Uh, so I actually just looked at, I, I looked at the, the fourth wall breaking. And so the line, uh, the, the, the line that he says when he directly looks at the camera for the first time is, when the sun was nice, we'd bask in those beams, the sunbeams, right? And so this was what I noticed was that I felt like the people that you saw, like that the sunlight was a huge representation of class. Um, if oh, you notice, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah. Because right, totally. no one else sees the sun, right? That was such a big deal. They would all like hang out and just like, mm-hmm. yeah, because in the end, the guy was daydreaming about also standing in the yard and just mm-hmm. like um, when the sun was out there, they were like, oh, you're going to be too hot. And you're just sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. I thought the they alluded to it really well. Like I, I feel like it, they did it in a way where they kept saying things that you kind of dismissive, and then when stuff happened, you realize it. Like when the guy was like, "Oh yeah, she was a great housekeeper," but then she ate for two people, and like everyone just like, yeah. "Oh, she's fat," and then you're <laughs> like, "Oh shit!" Like yeah, the only I didn't thing catch I, that. I couldn't. The one thing I didn't really get, maybe you guys can help me with this, was the the dad was asking about the wife to the. Um, the park like the uh, uh, other dad mm-hmm. and then he like in, when they were in the full native american garb and they were like do you oh, yeah. love her or something and the guy was like like hey come on man like this is a i'm paying you overtime for this i was really confused about what they were trying to say in a way i don't know yeah that's the, the, I, I did wonder that too and i had to do like a little research and, and kind of see what other people thought about that um I think like one interpretation that kind of made sense to me was that they were kind of highlighting that like different classes have different problems, right? And it's mm-hmm. and if you think about it as in like a Maslow's hierarchy kind of thing, like um, you know the poorer family they have to like worry about their fundamental needs, but then like when you're rich you have more um, like belonging and like self actualization um, issues to sort out. Um, and I thought, and, and like, although it was kind of subtle, I think it did make a good point because um, one thing I realized the second time viewing this was that like there, this movie doesn't portray any one class better than the other, or I guess maybe a better way to say it is they show flaws in, in both classes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and I, I think, I think like this guy having like problems with his marriage is like one way that they show that. Right. Um, they didn't betray the upper class people with a super negative light, though, which I thought was because I feel like, I'll, like especially for Snowpiercer, they made the rich people just look awful. Like, mm-hmm. I know you two or uh, Andrew and David haven't seen, but Hunter, you're, you know what I'm talking about. Like, they were 
objectively terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it's not as bad. Like they, they both the parents yeah. just seem like likable people. The dad just seems like he wasn't super present, and the mom just seemed kind of spacey. Mm-hmm. But like they weren't really that bad of people, you know. So, yeah. so I wasn't super yeah. empathetic with the family. Like I like the son of the family, um, of like the main cast, the the parasitic family. Um, yeah. But like I didn't. I don't know. Like they were, you showed them like you know, drinking and like being drunk and kind of being stupid yeah. and right yeah, where you're like, right, oh, really I see like why you guys are broke. Yeah, like, wait, that's okay. Yeah. Well, you're 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 bringing up a great point, Colin. Because like one note that I wrote down was, I'm like, who is the protagonist in this movie? Like, who yeah. am I supposed to be cheering for here? Because like, who is the parasite? Like, like, that's what I want to know. Like, yeah, like everybody had like some serious drawbacks. Well, I think yeah. I think the family aren't necessarily parasites. I think they're cockroaches, right? They talk about cockroaches, I think once or twice in the film and like they act exactly like it, right? They're kind of subsisting, they're basement people. They're, they don't bring a lot to the value they kind of take from other people. Like with the pizza boxes and stuff, like they fucked up 25% of the boxes and they're like, no man, you got to pay me the full thing, right? Where they're, and I think the, the son, I feel like is technically the protagonist, right? Like, cause he's the one trying to change things, but he's still connected to his family. He cares about his family, right? So that's the reason why he, he's the initial one. He brings the rest of his family, right? So mm-hmm. like similar to Bugs, one guy finds something, tells the rest of his family they show up and they're gaming from it. But I think the guy locked in the basement is the parasite because he doesn't, he's not necessarily doing anything. So the, the dad of the, uh, the, um, the family kind of takes his spot. Mm-hmm. In the end, right? Interesting. I I have a. I, I think have, they're both parasites. Yeah, I think I think each each group I, I categorize it as um, both families and then the the family that lives underneath. Um, all of them are parasites. With um, the uh, family that with the Park family, they're parasites because they feed off of the work and the labor um, oh. that. The, that the other family gives them the tutoring um, when they lose their housekeeper in the car they say our house is going to be a mess in a week my clothes are going to smell my wife can't cook so they need they need um the lower class because of all the help and i think that this is a a more of a metaphor for just uh sort of capitalism in general with that these big companies need need the lower class workers because they're the ones that are providing them the product right. on the other hand the lower I think class it's need the work to 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 live and i feel like it's everybody's feeding off of each other yeah and- it's really interesting like there's three kind of levels there's the top level the people that literally live in the house then there's like the middle level which is the the family that's kind of like the main protagonist family mm-hmm. and then there's even lower like you don't even realize how deep this hole goes and i think that's like the connection to real life like there's always someone who's got it worse mm-hmm. um and then there's always someone who's got it better like if you keep in the grand scheme of things this is just like an average upper class family in right in south korea like they're not even that rich in the grand scheme of things. they have one house they've got like two cars they've got two helpers and and, and then like they've got uh two tutors for their kids but like i mean that's probably pretty normal in the upper middle class of of, North, of south korea so like you know there's probably people even higher than that and like 
there's definitely people even lower yeah. than the lower in the basement. Right. Um, and yet the three of them kind of feed off of each other, mm -hmm. except, except for the guy in the basement isn't providing anything to the other two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he worships the top guy, though. Right, because oh, he's, that's he's, true. He's, yeah. he has all the that was, pictures that of was him, an interesting and every day he, I thought it was crazy that his, like he's the one that does the lights, right? That mm -hmm. like blew my mind. <laughs> like every time they get home, and I was like, why would you ever need that? Like I think that's kind of stupid. Like the fact that that's actually a thing because it makes zero plot sense. The fact that there's three buttons in the basement that do the lights, but I guess they needed to do that somehow, right? To to communicate like throughout mm -hmm. the rest of the film. So I think that's kind of MacGuffin like kind of weirdly thrown in there but um yeah i don't know it's, it's were there three buttons i thought yeah. there was only one yeah. button there was three buttons that he would he would press three. on this yeah. the dad walks in and that's how they would do the morse code mm -hmm. yeah i i was like like i didn't notice this the first time as much but like the second time i was like very like weirded out by like his worshipfulness to mr yeah. park Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, why is this? Like, I'm like this is creeping me out. Um, and I came, I guess, I came away with like two conclusions. One, it's like, you know, again with the class struggle, it kind of like shows how people are like kind of reduced to, um, like, I guess, like honoring or like doing whatever they can to like please the upper class people who can help them, that right, kind of right. thing. Um, and also, I thought it was. I don't. I don't think this is probably what they were intending, but I did find like an interesting parallel to religion because the mm -hmm. most like just generally speaking the most religious folks across the world are the ones who are the poorest and live in the poorest countries um like you just like for example uh western europe is like not super uh religious but like africa is highly religious um and so it's kind of like when you have nothing you have um you're more likely to um, be more spiritual and try and like cling on to hope by like worshiping something believing in right. some kind of like higher cause mm -hmm. so right that was interesting i thought it was i mean i think it's also because he doesn't bring anything right he's entirely a taker right from <laughs> yeah. the basement even if he's taking a meal a week or whatever he said but yeah like you know how we're saying all these other people within the class structure is they're kind of they rely on each other like the help you know obviously provides them taking care of the house they're and they pay them for it. Like the guy in the basement doesn't do anything, right? So he's entirely taking so that his admiration and kind of character worship for the dad, like mm -hmm. is him, I guess, his way of giving back, right? Um, I also think it's funny was I looked actually, I was reading about it on uh, online. So this wasn't my own conclusion, but I thought it was funny the kids' fascination with Indian, like they, they would yeah, say Indian and Native yeah. American stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of taking um, something that's really deep and complex right of like native american just i don't know whatever like uh culture and they just do it to a game they're like oh yeah that's his fad for the week or whatever is mm -hmm. he's really into indian stuff mm -hmm. which yeah. i think is funny it's, it's relationship to like upper class type things where they're like oh this is you know something integral to someone's life and they're like oh cool this will just be my my fad and my kitsch for a little bit mm -hmm. I, I did think that was really interesting and how talking about western westernization how saying the tent was made in the u.s and when he talked about right. his sister oh i know she graduated from university illinois of, chicago and and that's the only thing she said she said oh illinois and her her, her face lit up and she seemed very very excited yeah. 
Like not even a good school, just like an American school. <laughs> right. That was the yeah. Okay. Uh, this movie was listed on Hulu as a comedy. Yeah. Okay. That's that was another interesting thing. It's like it is like considered a black comedy, and like there were definitely funny points, but like I definitely don't think I picked up on all of it. I think a lot of it is like nuanced Korean references that like we don't get. Um, and like to give you an example, there's um, okay. So the 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 guy who plays the father um, of the poor family, he apparently is like the most famous actor in Korea. Oh yeah, oh, right. he's the most famous yeah. North Korean actor of all time. Yep. Yeah, and but then there's like, a, but remember the scene where they're like setting up um, or like the rehearsing, um, you know, putting the peaches in to like get out the the maid, right? So there's a, a scene where his son is like teaching him how to act or mm. like teaching him like his lines and stuff. So like to Koreans, that's really funny because they're like, oh, this, this, you know, this kid or whatever is trying to like teach the best actor of all time. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, so there's like, there's stuff like that. Um, there's also just like, there's just like lines I thought were kind of funny um, where like the one guy's friend is like describing the mom like way at the beginning of the movie. He's like, she's how do i describe her a bit simple right. <laughs> like stuff like that or um like or like um okay or by the way opening a can of worms here the sex scene on the couch oh like yeah there were there were definitely elements that i think were like supposed to be funny there were they doing like, just, like a prostitution role play or something they were definitely Wait, I doing really yeah okay and, were they was he pretending to be the driver from like that whole scene yeah. and stuff interaction from the first part of the movie. Well, I don't know about the driver specifically, but like they were, they were talking about playing the... as poor people. Or yeah. he's like, you're like, oh, if you wear those like cheap panties, like that would really turn me on, or right. something like that. Or no, but so she was like, give me drugs, and I, they were like talking about yeah. like they were like, oh, if you find meth in my car, I'm fucked, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so are they pretending to do that and be like, I don't know. I think that's a really good point. Like, because that really seemed like a lot of non sequiturs to me, and I was like. Now that if yeah. you put it in that lens, like they, this is what they think poor people have sex like, you know. Yeah, it was it was so strange, but interesting. Also, like, can I just like say that I was like the cringiest scene I've ever seen in my entire life. Because yeah, like, because like, not only is like the one family like underneath the couch while that's all happening, but then like their sons outside and through like these huge glass windows, and like their daughters upstairs, yep. and they're like in, in like the most open room in the house. There's like zero privacy whatsoever, and oh god, it was it was just like. Yeah, there's just so much going on there. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I thought that's super interesting. My so on my second viewing last night, I wrote this one scene down that um, I think might have been sort of my one of the most pivotal scenes in my book. Obviously, there are a ton of big scenes, especially when the rainstorm hits and you see them go down from this life of. The, this fantasy of luxury into reality of mm -hmm. where is, is flooding. But one of the things that really stuck out to me was at the party at the end when um, Sung, Sung Kun Lee, I'm, I apologize as well if I'm butchering these names, I really <laughs> apologize, um, is with, um, uh, isn't it Dahai? Yes, I believe so, right? Dahai? Um, and Are you talking about the daughter? Yes, the daughter. Yeah, yeah. Daughter of the yep. rich family, yeah. Okay, cool. 
they're at the they're in her room looking down and he's asking if he belongs and he's this whole time in the film that's what he wants he's looking at the rock and that's what he cares about and he looks at her and he asks do do i belong here and that's what's on his mind and she turns to him and she says yes and once he gets that answer he he's at the highest point he's above everybody else and we know that that's oh i didn't think about that he was on the second floor yeah he was on the second floor right and he goes from being at the top when he gets his answer of yes and he grabs the rock and he goes all the way to the lowest point you can be and that's when then he gets charged and gets eventually the, the his own his own motivations, his own, the thing that drives him the most is what destroys him, where he gets the answer he's been looking for this whole time. He goes to make it a reality and, and, and take out the one thing that's threatening him and goes down to the lowest floor. And then all of a sudden he gets rushed and then eventually gets hit in the head by the rock, which is sort of the metaphor of the one thing that he's chasing after and destroying him. And I just thought that that was a way to put it together, way to put it together. That's yeah, exactly that was right. Great analysis. Yeah. Oh man. And mm-hmm. then, and also, just the stairs in general, like stairs and heights mm-hmm. and elevation, is just like totally a, a trope throughout the whole movie. Like the fact that the rich family lives on the top of a hill, and like the poor family mm-hmm. lives in a basement, mm-hmm. um, or like yeah. the fact that there's so many there's so many scenes on stairs, or like when it rains, they have to go down like a billion flights of stairs to get all the way down to their apartment. Yeah. Um, and. Oh yeah, and like, or like, whenever there's like a power dynamic change between, um, like the main um, poor family and like the maid and her husband, like there's always like some tumbling down, up and down the stairs, um, stuff like that is is it's brilliant. Yeah, and think about it, even even the toilets above them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, oh, they live below the toilet. That's true. That's crazy. That, well, yeah, yeah, I thought I it was. Pick up on that detail I thought it was crazy because it's like for the rich family, they're like, "Oh no, we can't go camping now." Like the rain yeah. has like ruined our fun weekend. <laughs> or like what the wife is saying like, afterwards, when she's like, "Oh yeah, this the rain was great for us." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they're literally they lose everything they own, right? Like, just like the differences in impact of like, I'm assuming that must be alluding to like any other factors that impact different classes how upper class people not necessarily impact in the same way the lower class yeah mm-hmm. oh absolutely um, yeah can we talk about the rock is the rock directly symbolic or is he because the son talks about metaphors a lot in the film right where he's mm-hmm. like the first couple yeah. scenes he's like oh yeah it's really <laughs> metaphorical it's so metaphorical like do you think <laughs> is that like him kind of playing <laughs> the, the religion aspect of it too right where he's saying that there's like oh yeah i'm destined to do this blank and blank right so because the dad yeah. was very so, into like not being in control of things, right? He talked about there's that whole scene where he was like, "Oh, I never have plans, so I never disappointed." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, so a couple of things on that. Um, I did a little research that that is actually like a Korean, like folklore thing. Like the the rock is like a is like a, a real thing. It like what he said about like bringing you know like good luck and prosperity. Like that is that's not like something they made up. That was always a thing. So. Mm-hmm. That's again like just like a Korean reference, um, and then also it was um, like symbolic of kind of the story that lower class people tell themselves in order to um, to you know make it or or get rich. It's kind of like oh well if I just like work hard and like you know do this and do that then I'll be rich. Mm-hmm. And so I think this was kind of like a representation of that. It's like oh well as long as I have this rock like it will you know guide me to success. 
kind um, of a bootstrap like uh, false narrative essentially, right? Yeah. Where like if I work hard enough, do all these things, I'll have enough money to buy that right. house and let my dad out of the basement and then yeah. <laughs> cuts to him exactly. just being again exactly. in his original apartment. Yeah. What okay. I interesting talking about The Rock is, um, so remember when they were talking about the ghost story and the um, the, the wife who is uh, Yao Jung Jo. Don't even don't. <laughs> I apologize. I'm fine here. Um, The wife who was called Simple, uh, she says um, that ghosts are supposed to bring prosperity and money. So a similar sort of folklore with the metaphorical rock. And and she even says the money's been good lately. But even though both families have what is supposed to bring them wealth and prosperity, they are getting money in, but none of them jump a class level. None of them jump up to to exceed where their where their current class is at the end of the movie both families are still located in the same class level and i just thought that that was interesting um sort of i think as a talking about again sort of our society and and society in general with how it's tough to jump up a class level how it's very tough in society even when you can get jobs and make money okay wait can i jump following up on that yeah I was going to say, the fact that he literally gets bludgeoned in the head by the rock, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. like, he's like, oh, this will give me good luck. And like, he tried to kill another guy with the rock and then he gets yeah. beat. Okay. With... Go ahead, get. So following up on like the, the rock and like the traditional, like the rock and the ghost and that symbolizing prosperity in society. Mm-hmm. I think this movie does a lot of talking about like a little bit of gentrification, but also like the equalization of society through technology. So like in the beginning of the film, they're worried about Wi-Fi, and then they're able to get it by connecting to the local cafe. So mm-hmm. like they're able to maintain their Wi-Fi and then through that, they're able to get a job. Um, and then like basically throughout the film, there's a lot of times where if the technology wasn't there, it would have been a different story. So like the fact that the poorest poor people in the basement have a camera phone allows them to film and get the upper hand on the people right above them. And then they're able to use that to basically as a, as a nuclear bomb um, against them. And then, uh, but then like there's the fight over the technology. And then when they're in the basement, they, before they go upstairs, they talk about how like, Oh, well maybe she doesn't have cell signal down here. Check your phones, check your phones. And then they're like, Oh wait, we still have signal down here. So even in the basement, the lowest of the low, they still Mm -hmm. have cell signal. Like that's not even enough to stop the cell signal from reaching them. Um, so I just thought they also really use Morse code as a super outdated technology as well, right? So they're like behind the times mm. in technology. I think the first scene, David, I think you might be right, but I think it's mostly just showing that they themselves don't provide anything, right? They don't have enough money to afford their own Wi-Fi, so they mm. had to go from stealing yeah. their apartment neighbor's Wi-Fi to the coffee shop's Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's just like that was kind of parasitic too. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the yeah. Then, then immediately they get sprayed by, um, yeah, the all the fumes but, and stuff. But like they're able to go, like they don't even have to have a computer to be able to do the Photoshop thing. They just go to a local internet cafe and they're right. able to like do Photoshop on that computer, and then they're able to kind of pull off their plans. So mm-hmm. like, you know, normally in a heist movie, there's all this high technology stuff, and yet right. they're able to pull off their heist by doing nothing that requires them to spend any money. 
Right. That's I think true. that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I mean, in a way, the technology is what allowed the the former maid to come back in because she was able to like talk to them through the cam- through the camera at the doorbell. Right. Um, I don't know. I think that's really really interesting. Yeah. Also, also like, what that... happened to her <laughs> when she was out? She had like a black eye and everything. It's crazy. Like she'd only been gone for like a week. Oh, oh no, oh, no. She was like the... recovering from her like severe allergic reaction, yeah. right? Oh, is that yeah. what happened? Right. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So, and also the daughter said she like made up all the stuff because she Googled art uh, therapy or something. And then she mm-hmm. said she started riffing from there. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Another way that access to technology can kind of help people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a, I, I theorized about this. I don't know if this is actually true or not. Um, but one thing that I noticed on, on the second viewing was that if you look at both families, the Song family, um, the, the, the family that works for the parks, um, you can consistently see them both walking upstairs, but also in the middle of the movie, you see them go downstairs. So le- walking up, to this this uh, sort of ascending up to the new class and just just wealth in general, but they're constantly reminded that they have to walk back down. That that's sort mm-hmm. of the fantasy world and what their actual life is. I noticed that the parks only there were only two times in the movie that they ever walked down downstairs. Only two times in the movie that they ever showed them walking downstairs, like walking down the bottom rung of the stairway. And the first part was when she went to the cellar. The mom went to the cellar. Uh, when they were about to go camping to uh, ask the um, the parasitic mom uh, to grab the father's coat. And then but and then the second time was after the whole scene at the at the birthday party when they were sort of exposed, like they crossed the line and were exposed to this other sense of class. Mm. And I just thought that that was interesting that the upper middle class, the upper class family never walked downstairs and that they were always living in their class zone and never crossed the line until really the main part happened was either the interaction with somebody else, really the interaction with somebody else that was from another class. That's when they walked downstairs while the family that was constantly living in, in the lower class was walking up and down. Okay. Can we talk about why the dad killed the other dad? Was it because like he was so offended by... Like, be like, hey, I need to get my son to the hospital. And, like, obviously, without even realizing that, like, it's the the dad with his daughter, because that mm-hmm. wasn't disclosed to uh, Park, the, the rich dad. Mm-hmm. But, like, regardless, like, the I know the kid's dying, but also, like, the woman just got stabbed. Like, the daughter just got stabbed. So, right. like, I, so was he just so mad that he was, like, hey, like, <laughs> like I really think his resistance was a building. And it... Yeah, and it was, I, I think it was that, but also I think the thing that tipped him off was when, like, Mr. Park had to, like, roll over the other guy to get his keys out from underneath, and yeah. then, like, held his nose, like, ew, he smells so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, super disrespectful um, of this guy who just died, um, and, and like, the whole, the smelling thing about how he, like, you know, said many times in the movie that, um, that he smelled bad and all that stuff, he, like, tipped him off, and then he went and killed him. Like, there were several times throughout the movie where, like, first, 
first they're under the table and they're talking about how he's smelling and he's crossing the line with his smell and everything else is good. And you see him put his arm over his eyes, which I feel like is like a universal sign of like self-loathing and like embarrassment. Shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they have to run back down to their place and he's like, don't worry, I have a plan. Like he's just, but his plan ends up being that he doesn't have a plan. He still just kind of feels low and then they realize their whole home is just destroyed. He like tries to go get his trophy, and his trophy's full of water. I feel like water was a really big symbol in this movie. Or was that um, was that his wife's one? Because she was the the hammer thrower. Was that his wife? Yeah, she was the hammer thrower. Was that his? Right, because that was the scene where they were in the wife, yard. Yeah, because yeah, she did the hammer throw in the yard and like broke the neighbors. Oh right! And I totally yeah. thought that was the thing that was going to set everything off. <laughs> I know, right? They got drunk and did that and broke their own window. And yeah, that didn't happen. That was just kind of a red herring or whatever. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I just like there was there the, the, they showed the decline. Like for, then he's sleeping in the in the place, and then from that point on, he's not really able to keep up the mirage of being like this like just another driver who's like really well professional and everything like from the next point he's in the car he smells a lot worse and he like isn't really as animated and then right. when they're in the bushes he's just like totally not interested like he's not even pretending that he wants to be there and he's mm -hmm. asking pointed questions that make the uh, mr park uncomfortable and, and and like so then finally the night like the like his daughter gets stabbed and, and the guy's like, come on, throw me the keys. And he's like, Oh my God, are you seriously? No, like, he first asked him to drive. Keys? Right. Like, mm -hmm. He wasn't even like, throw me the keys. It was like, we have to drive somewhere. And the guy's like, yeah, what the, what? A yeah. Murder he's like, just are you place. seriously kidding me right now? Like you're telling me that you don't even want to help this woman who was just stabbed. Like that common indecency. Like you're so much more considerate about yourself that I think that just pushed him over the edge. You just like had to, Oh yeah. Like that was kind of like, I was like, I was uh, honestly like, wouldn't have been surprised to be stabbed in before that <laughs> or just like quit or something. Like there was definitely some building rage. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and in that scene too, like, did you guys pick up on how that was kind of like, everything building up to class warfare um, mm -hmm. and how it was, it was like really class against class conflict. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I thought that was interesting, first of all, because it was, um, it was almost like kind of prophetic in that, uh, in that respect. Um, also speaking of class warfare, like the fact that there was like even conflict within class, mm -hmm. like where um, like in the initial confrontation in the basement, when everybody like figures out like that that exists and there's like this guy living down there the um the old maid was like kept referring to the new um one is like sis which she like hated and she was like oh we're like we're both poor like what's the big deal and she's like oh well i'm not poor like even though she like, yeah. very clearly was um and and then that kind of thing and how they just like they killed you know they were like at each other's throats like trying to kill each other um like it, I like I um I heard something and they were saying like oh this is like a really good representation of like how there's like no class unity in mm -hmm. uh, among the poor um especially like in capitalist um societies I mean like in like a communist system that, that's like the whole gist is that like you know the lower class people should all like you know seize the means of production all come together like unite kind of thing but like they clearly were not in this movie 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially with like neoliberal kind of capitalistic stuff like that, right? Where it's like they, because yeah, the old maid appeal, like you said, like oh, sis, and then the the, the mom's like. Like we're not the same, and then obviously, like the the cat was out of the bag, and they found on the stairs, and then she tried to do the same trick back to her, and she's like, "Yeah, you're a bitch." Like, <laughs> f off. That was <laughs> great. Yeah. So there's a lot of like trying to show face or whatever, where you're like, mm-hmm. "Listen, man, we're at the same page, right? You would have done the same thing in my situation." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, how people in the same scenario essentially would not work together, and would. And and that was a theme in the overall movie with displacing people from their jobs is this scrappiness fend for yourself mentality um, rather than communal mentality of we as a group need to make our lives better. There there, there wasn't that. If you notice on the couch, um, Kijun, I believe uh, that I'm saying that off the top of my head. I don't believe that's the name. The daughter um, is getting angry and says only think about ourselves when they're saying, what do you think happened to the driver? Did he get a job? And and you kind of see that this is there, yeah. there's no communal mentality. It's only mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. So at the end, there's kind of like this whole monologue about how he's like going to he's going to go and become rich and then he's going to buy that house so he can let his father out of the basement. Um, and then, you know, they kind of show that all happening, but then it ends on him just being like hopeful and it's almost like it hasn't happened yet. That's all just part of his fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of like two big things going on here. One, like the idea in, I know that this is more of a thing in Eastern cultures um, of like children supporting their elders. Wow. Um, and like, you know, his father is in the basement, but he's going to be higher up and he's going to let his father join him in the higher level. So mm-hmm. like, you know, growing in, leveling up your class through your children or leveling up your parents' class by yourself. But then there's also like this, it's almost like it's so idealistic. Like he's, he's like, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to make tons of money. I'm going to buy this house. Like he's like all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they didn't do that before. Like before that he hadn't gotten into college. He took the exam four times. He was just like kind of subsisting on, on like that lower level, they didn't even seem like they were trying very hard to, to get out of it. Um, aside from like just doing odd jobs. And that's not to say that they weren't trying because they do mention that getting a job is super hard. And like the minute they get a chance, they jump on it and they get all four of them into jobs. Um, but like, I just feel like the ending was over idealistic on purpose. Mm -hmm. No, I think that was, I think that was specific, right? Because both the lower classes, their dreams of like, like a perfect, day or whatever was the son buying the house getting the, the dad out and the other guy was just standing in the sun was literally just an everyday occurrence for the upper class family right like their wildest dreams is just a living room of someone else's house yeah which is crazy to me right like because they were like oh this is the perfect thing like i'm gonna work so hard my whole life is destined for this and the other guy they just have it and they're like oh yeah this is where we like pretend to be prostitutes on the couch so yeah and then and then they have so many they have so many kind of like made-up issues like oh my god my son he's like traumatized and he needs to you know get his art taught to him and like and i mean to be fair he was traumatized by like seeing a legitimate like freaky thing i would not blame him for being traumatized by that because like as a kid you just can't perceive the fact that there's a hidden room in your basement um 
Mm-hmm. Like that would definitely mess me up. I went to um, scared last night. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> I saw. Um, I was reading about it on Wikipedia about the the, um, the film, and apparently the song that plays at the end when he's doing the montage of him like going to university and buying the house is called like 460 years or something. Hmm, and it was yeah, talking about like right. how long it would take for him to realistically buy the house if he worked every day. Mm-hmm. It was like 400 yeah. years or something. And it Damn. just another show of um, the people's inability to move up in class, even with education and the ability yeah. to find work. Well, they like, said like, like 500 college graduates apply for a security guard or something, right? Yeah, so, exactly. I just thought it was so interesting that they showed all of it, like as if it's as if it was happened. Like that's normally what happens in movies at the epilogue. If they're showing you something, it's because it actually happened. But then the last shot's on him, and you realize, oh, this hasn't happened. It's just what he wants to happen, and that's mm-hmm. what makes you think, oh man, that's that's really unlikely to. Like I honestly that's, was, yeah. I thought it was unlikely to happen, but they're showing it to me like it did happen. So I'm under the impression that it did happen. And it also seems like it happened really quickly because he's still young and his dad's still alive in the basement. Right. But then I, I really realized, liked the ending. Yeah. Yeah. That was really powerful. Makes so, you go, damn. Speaking, speaking of, of the ending, first time viewing it, I swore, I swore for the first time when it was showing him all grown up, I thought it was his friend. I thought it was his friend that he took the tutoring job from. I thought it was his friend buying a house. He uh, was so much like him. So much like him. He had the same haircut because his hair was totally different. Totally different. He was wearing, I believe, a similar jacket with a, a bomber gray style jacket. And he looked like he was dressed the same as his friend. And I, I, I had to rewind the movie. And I said, oh, no, no way that's him. And... Then the second time viewing it, I knew that. But I, my theory is that he oh, he always said, "What did?" And I think his friend was Min. Min? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I got the name right. Um, he it felt like he always wanted to be like him, and I sort of thought the ending, his dream was becoming him because he looked so much like him. Mm. His hair was different. He was wearing the same outfit, and it was just very symbolic of this whole story of him trying to become his friend who was in a different class, right. and his dream was not only buying the house, but was was becoming, living his friend's well, life. Well, didn't he say at one point in a scene, he was like, oh, what would Min do? I think <laughs> it was after they ran out of the house. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. that, and then they were just like, who gives a shit about Min? Like, we're in, we're yeah. in this right now. Yeah. yeah. The, but the son was so, like, I don't know, captivated by that, right? And mm-hmm. also, like, I guess it was very similar. I'm thinking about this now, because Min also liked the daughter. Which is kind of creepy because she was like fifteen or whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. He like, did the the son did the exact same thing, right? Where he, like, yeah, he he's like making out, like, sort of oh, dating her. Yeah, cringe. I was like, what a dick towards his friend. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? He was like, hey, I'm gonna come back. Wait until she graduates from high school. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was like, nope. I, mean, I thought that was so, like, oh god. He did. He did do a good job. Of, I mean, a decent job of tutoring, like. What a power move! Just like grabbing her wrist, and he's like, "I feel your yeah, pulse." Yeah, right? interview. What is this right? anime? That was his like, job what is this? It was crazy. There's like so much. There's like so much sexual tension there, and the mom's just like eating it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's like, "Ah, good. You have to perform like Min," and you're like, "Yeah, oh, okay." She's like, "Oh, he's just like Min. Nothing wrong here." <laughs> Speaking of that, I just looked right now. And in both scene, in in the scene when he's talking about the tutoring job, Min is wearing a gray sports blazer. And in the scene where he's buying the house, 
Um, the son's wearing a gray sports blazer, and he doesn't have the exact same hairstyle, but you can see that he just is dressed. His hair is totally uh-huh. different. And so maybe they were doing that really together, on purpose. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, what do you guys think about sense. the iconic scene where she's just like on the toilet and it's just shooting brown gook? And she's just like, ah, I found my cigarettes in my secret stash. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. smoke while the no, entire apartment that. floods. And I'm going to have to like swim through the sewage to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's just... funny because it's, it shows lower class people like abusing kind of like uh, vices more like that, right? Where um, they show them drunk like three times throughout the film and like yeah. smoking. And in the adult family, you don't see any of that. Like they own a ton of fancy alcohol, but you don't see them drinking it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, and they also just, like, they do a lot of going around the rules and stuff like that. Like, when they're in the internet cafe and they come around and say, hey, you can't smoke in here. And she's like, oh, okay, and like, grab me that cup so I can put it out. And then they walk away and she just keeps smoking and uses it as, like, a tap cup. Right. That was, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> pretty funny. Like, I was definitely laughing a lot. I actually laughed a lot during the first, like, third of the movie, maybe the first half before, yeah. before the twist. Like, because, I, I mean, yeah. first... First, it's like this happy, funny, like, oh my god, they're totally pulling one over on these rich people. Like, their 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 plan is working flawlessly, and they're getting in there, and like, they're doing all this fake acting, and it's working hilariously. And then you're like, oh my god, I'm cringing so hard because they're throwing a party when they go away, and it's pouring rain. I mean, like, the logical thing is that they're gonna come home. It's pouring rain outside. Why are you still drinking and just like hanging out and not doing any of the right. things they told you to do? I mean, you've made it to that level. You've made it this far. If your whole point was to get this far, why are you just going to throw it away for a night of partying? Like right. that just well, belies logic. Right. Well, let's talk about the um, like the the lower class family doesn't think ahead at all, right? Like they just kind of go from bit to bit, like from one dot to another. And then the dad, if you think about like, because when they wanted to think about and put into place firing their driver, right? Like the dad walked through it like a ton of different scenarios, right? He was very calculated, where he was like, oh yeah, like. Um, like, oh, you would lose your earrings, but you wouldn't ever lose your panties. And it's like, oh, that means they have to be druggies. And like, oh, therefore, like, oh, we don't have drugs in my car, right? Like, so he did like this whole if then like flow chart in his head, right? Of all the different scenarios was going on. But then the the other side, the, the poor family is just like, ah, screw it. We got the house for the weekend. Let's drink yeah. all their booze. Yeah. And then that's when it really starts to just like really hit the fan because then, I mean, then obviously the unexpected happens and someone rings the doorbell, but it's not who you think is going to ring the doorbell. I mean, like I was totally thinking mm-hmm. that they would get walked in on by their, um, the people who are hiring them. And then, yeah. you know, they would basically, everything would fall apart and they'd have to figure it out, which did happen. But like in between those two points, there's that other third part where the, the maid comes back and she and then she opens up the basement. It's like this whole third layer. Mm-hmm. That's like the brilliant slice of the movie, and that just adds so much more depth throughout the whole thing. Well, oh, yeah. building on your point, I thought that the one example um, was when the son of, of the 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 um, the poor family thinking ahead was the son with what we we talked about earlier with teaching his dad about the lines as he thought about tuberculosis and right. thought about all the uh, of what the mom would say well what isn't tuberculosis don't don't uh, isn't that gone don't a lot of people don't have people that still get that yeah yeah right. so he i thought it was interesting that he thought ahead 
and he right. was with his dad. Who so the, so the other three, ahead. right, the other three family members don't think ahead, right? And then the son who wants to move up class levels, right? He's mm -hmm. the one that's taking all the tests and tries to have, you know, class mobility. He's the one that's actively thinking ahead while everyone else isn't, right? They're stuck yeah. where they are. Yeah, that said though, like still, I mean, there are so many times where they show they have a lot of skills. Like all the people in the, like the poor family that lives in the basement, like they, not the, not the low, 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 but like the middle, low one. <laughs> Um, right. You know, uh, they they have so many skills. Like she can edit documents and be a great forgery. She's good at teaching art, or at least at faking it. The dad's a good driver, and he's really good at you know acting. I mean, dude, he right. plays that so well. And the mom's a good right, actor but they're too. Not, right, like, but it shows like, the differences in skills. Right, like they're really good at grifting. Right, and they're really good at faking stuff. Right, and non-legitimate skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, but. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm more with David on this one. Like, I mean, they're not like, you know, like, quote unquote, like useful skills or like job skills, but like, they're still skills. I mean, they're like, they're not trained in college skills, but they are super effective at what they do. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that they totally pulled this one off. Like, I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, she did her research on Google. All she had to do was Google it. And then she's smart enough to like play off of that. I mean, right, she's outsmarted someone who's living in a very rich scenario. So, like, yeah. you'd think they're that go ahead. they're resourceful, if anything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, one, thing, one thing I want to say, which um, I don't think we've talked about yet, is just how impressed I was that having to read every line because of the subtitles of how gripping it still was, that I did not feel taken out of the movie at all. True. Rather than, of course, listening and focusing on the characters, because when you're reading subtitles, your eyes have to, <laughs> they, they have to dart down the screen, you have to read it, and you can't necessarily notice uh, every millisecond um, of the moment. And even my, even my sister made a comment about it, um, talking about, she was like, oh, wait, it's subtitled. And I said, no, no, Kelly, this is, uh, <laughs> is going to be good. And, and she was like, wow, that was amazing. And I, I, I'm yeah. impressed with that. that it didn't Translation was really good, too. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that they said the word eccentric about the child, I'm like, I've never really, I don't know. I feel like people don't really use that word. Very often. I think he was, I, I oh, think I he was just time. trying to butter him up. <laughs> I, I love the scene where they were like looking at his artwork and he was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, like he's really fantastic. I love his use of the color. What is this supposed to be a chimpanzee? And the mom's like, uh, it's a self-portrait. I was like, oh, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I was like, oh, you're just talking shit and you're just trying to butter him up to get this job <laughs> yeah or like when or like when the daughter is like oh this is like the dark schizophrenic corner of the painting and the mom's like oh my god i've looked at this painting so many times that i never realized <laughs> well it's just like the one on the wall and the daughter's like yes exactly I, yeah, that's when she said frenia she didn't say schizophrenia she just said oh frenia and she was very very nervous by uh, by just hearing hearing the word. <laughs> She's like, okay, you need to pay me for two hours a week, four days, four days at a time. Yeah, dude, we barely talked about the camera work in this movie. Dude, the camera work was amazing. The yeah. shots were amazing. I have like three shots that were my favorite shots. Um, actually, no, four, um, including the one where the dude peeks over the stairs. Mm -hmm. That super creepy yeah. shot. There's that shot, super creepy, um, which is kind of like. That's like, I think, the straight definition of crossing the line. Mm -hmm. Like, looking into the eyes of 
the ultra poor yeah. and just like seeing that within your own house is just mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, so that was a really good um, shot that like really progressed the story. Um, there's the shot where he walks, like where uh, the son who's like kind of driving the plot, he mm-hmm. walks into the house for the first time and the camera pans up and you see this mm. sunlight literally like flare on the lens. Mm-hmm. It does like a solar, fl- that's like the only time I think they really do like a solar flare or a solar um, lens flare. And that, I mean, the thing that I was thinking is like, oh my gosh, like how did they get the sun to be in that right place? I mean, they had to th- film at exactly the right time of day just to get that shot, um, which is what I was thinking. Um, but like that, when we think about how much the sun means to this, um, the imagery and the feel of this movie, like that's a really good shot to open up his transition into the rich world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just really, really love this shot where it's showing the same camera angle as the very first angle of the film where it's like looking out their basement window, except now the water's rising up and it overtakes the yeah. camera and their entire basement floods. And then it does a wipe mm-hmm. through yes. the water out. Into I the, noticed the, that too. Like, I, I was like, Whoa, dude, how did they do? I had to like go back and look <laughs> at it again. I was like, Oh my God, that's such a good wipe. I mean, that kicks that Star Wars so ass. <laughs> Star Wars is literally all wipes. And that just like, that was like, <laughs> that was the best wipe I've ever seen. It was really good. Um, I also liked, um, I, I, there was a shot when um, the family's coming home and they're all trying to hide and the son like hides under um, the the one daughter's bed. And, mm-hmm. and he's like trying to like put back her diary or whatever. Um, and then it has like um, an overhead shot mm-hmm. looking down at the bed. And he like, he like goes and like clicks the box shut at like the last second as she like jumps on the bed. Um, mm. I don't know. It, like that, mm-hmm. like that didn't like progress yep. the plot or anything. I just thought it was like really well done. Um, oh, what about the shot where the woman tumbles down the stairs and smacks her head? Oh, like the camera does like a that, quick whip, quick whip to the smack. <laughs> yeah, that looked like it really hurt. Yeah, I was like, oh, dude, I thought that was. I thought she was dead, and then she like gets up and walks. I'm like, how? I mean, she did end up dying from that, but yeah, yeah she, she didn't last much longer. Very, very recently. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I thought there was so many incredible talk, talk about the camera work. Just and this, this, uh, and this, so this point isn't my point. I was watching, I was reading, I was watching a, a video, um, and it talked about with dialogue how you know when you flip from one person to another, and how that was the case with both windows of each house, when with the case of the the very the very wealthy house the window you always saw the window from the right perspective and with the um semi-basement house you always saw the window from from a left side and it kind of mimicked a dialogue and i just thought that that was a really interesting touch Mm. i i'm I'm gonna i wish i could shout out the youtuber because i i'm I'm blanking on the video um but if you look up uh, uh just explanation or cinematography you can find him um, but I just wanted to give a, as well a shout out because that was not my idea. But one thing that I, I would say that is my idea that I thought was interesting <laughs> was the first conversation between uh, the, the the tutor and, and the daughter is if you look at them, I felt like it was sort of mimicking yin and yang where you saw one talking and you saw the shadow of the other on the one yeah. side. I, I thought that that was just so mm. I thought it was totally mimicking a, a, a yin yang. Symbolism. I, I I noticed that too. I thought those were really yeah. Cool shot that they, and they did it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So one thing, not related to the movie, but cinema in general, is I, I, I took a step back, obviously, this one um, Best Picture for the Oscars, and just looking at recent cinema, and especially what just happened with the Oscars announcing their um, their new changes with diversity requirements, I just think that it's great to see, um, one, movies from other countries that um, from other cultures becoming popular and just I mean this was an all uh, all Asian cast or all, all, all Korean cast if I am speaking correctly I believe it was all Korean and just seeing this crazy rich Asians um, looking at um, which was an all Asian cast as well looking at as well um, with with black cinema, with uh, popularity of Moonlight and uh, Black Klansman and I think it's just great to see that we're getting all these fantastic cultural films and mm-hmm. that, that just how cinema is sort of um, progressing in that aspect. I'm, I'm very excited just to see where we go in the future. And I feel that this was a big turning point having this movie win at the Oscars. Yeah. I thought it was funny how the, there's people response to it. They were like, how dare a foreign film wear it? Like, or win yeah. like, an award. <laughs> I was like, this is the the dumbest hate. Like, are you trying to be like patriotic <laughs> somehow? About have you seen the movie? I I doubt you have because it's super good. Like, <laughs> or like, like the people who wouldn't watch it because it had subtitles. They're like, oh, I don't want to read during the movie. Oh, yeah. no, I hate reading. That's <laughs> the worst. Dude, oh yeah. Um, that reminds me actually. When I was in China, I saw American films, but like mm-hmm. they were in Chinese. With actually, I, I can't remember. I think some of them were in Chinese, but with American, like with English subtitles. That was really weird. <laughs> like they dubbed over it in Chinese, but then still gave you English subtitles. Either that, or there were, or it was in English but with Chinese subtitles. Yeah. But like all of the films had subtitles. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. Like oh, okay. As opposed uh, to being oh, in, a, okay. in America, where like none of the films have subtitles for the most part. Right. Yeah. Like right. that's just not part of our experience. Yeah. We're same. not like we're in the dominant language, so we don't have to have subtitles. But if you're in another language, you got to have subtitles. Thought that was really interesting. I, I did notice, like even just like signs on the street or just stuff in general in this movie, like sometimes had like an English, like explanation or something and um or like didn't they sometimes like use english phrases or something yeah yeah Uh, they would they would sprinkle that in right where they would uh i thought it was really funny when the dad would be like they would say on the walkie-talkie and they go over and the kid would go over (laughs) i thought that was awesome Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah they would sprinkle it in occasionally and but only the upper class family would say english yeah. sparingly the lower class family never used english mm-hmm. that's true that and, really and, the, and and the upper class family called um the lower class family by english names mm-hmm. kevin jessica oh, they didn't use their korean names oh i didn't think about that mm. so that's that's another way they distance themselves from the actual humanity of them right yep so they, they don't actually take the time to learn the real name right? yeah oh yeah. so like when the guy ran out at the end and he was yelling the guy's or the woman's real name, whatever. Who was it? Remember that with the yeah. Um, he was like Chung Soon the, or whatever. Chung Soon. None of them yeah. knew who that was because mm-hmm. they only knew Jessica, Kevin, Mr. Kim. I think that's so interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I, go ahead. 
Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, um, I, I don't know if you guys had any like favorite lines in the movie. Um, <laughs> but I, my favorite, or at least maybe like the most poignant was, um, while the, we're getting like drunk on, um, the park's couch and everything. Um, and they were like talking about the mom and, and, um, but then like the poor mom like fires back and was like, Oh, she's not, she's not nice. Like she's not, well, no, she yes. said she's not rich yep. and nice. She's nice because she's rich mm-hmm. or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Like I would be nice too, if I was rich. And I was yeah. like, Oh damn. Like that is kind of crazy. Like, you, like, cause yeah, like, that was a really good point. Like to my point earlier in the movie about how like nobody was really good in this movie. Like it does kind of make you, it, like I thought it was interesting that she like justified her like being a bad person because she doesn't have any money. Right. She's, mm-hmm. she's she's chalking it up right where she does kind of a survivor bias, I guess. Maybe that might be correct, but like the she says like, "Oh, my ends justify my means," right? Of being scrappy and trying to fight right. for what I got, right? So that's that makes sense. Like if you mm-hmm. if you don't have to worry about anything, you can be nice to people, right? Or at least have a perception, put a kind of facade of being nice where yeah. they don't have the ability to other than when they're getting paid to do so. Yeah. I thought that was like really clear when they, when they, that, that conversation was followed. I mean, obviously it was like 30 or 40 minutes later, but like by them being in the car and talking about how nice the rain was for everything. Um, like it canceled their night of camping, but Oh, whatever. We got a nice rainy day the next day. I'm in a nice sunshine and it really, right. you know, refreshed everything. Meanwhile, it absolutely devastated the poor, the poor areas. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting to like see because I mean when I think so- South Korea I think it's one of the most developed nations in the world um, so I'm always thinking like oh yeah South Korea is like almost on par with America and being super well developed um, mm-hmm. just from my own thoughts and from what I've heard um, mm-hmm. and so then to see like I mean this this I mean I've seen stuff like that when I was in China um, poor areas um, you, you know, they're all over the place. Um, but like, there's also super nice areas. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I mean, obviously living in the suburbs in America, it's really easy to not see that. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it's easy to think like, oh, wow, I didn't realize there were such poor areas in South Korea. We don't really have that in America, but like we do. <laughs> and to like, right. um, to show both of them in one film um, really does put it in context. Yeah. So talking about lines, um, one thing that stood out to me, there were two lines, um, well, three, Beard, you mentioned the first one. Um, I thought the conversation when the dad, when he gave the, when um, Mr. Kim gave the dad the card for the new housekeeper for his wife, uh, how he was looking and he said, oh, cool design. And that was the standout thing. I know that's not, that's, that's, that at first that was a throwaway line, but on my second viewing, that one jumped out of me the most because I sort of connected it with one. All these people have gotten jobs from references. If you would have looked up, um, if you would have done some more research, one, you probably could have seen that this place was fake. But two is that they, they nobody got a job out of merit is that moving up in the world. They, they it was all by knowing someone. And I oh, think yeah. that, that was just a really interesting connection to sort of what our world's like is that there's the saying at least in in the u.s that it's 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 about who you know and yeah yes yeah just being college graduates i think we all can agree that your network is very powerful 
And I think that that was just really interesting with how this was displayed in the movie. Um, the the other line for me was um, uh, when they were fighting downstairs at the at the very low level when they started taking the video of the family when the husband and wife were taking the video of the family and he says he's like yelling at everyone to stop when she's about to send it and he says what did those nice people do to you and building off of beard your line with talking about nice i thought it was just interesting with talking about this feeling of worship and saying what did these nice people who have given all of us either food or money um done to you and why would you wreck their lives by showing them this we can solve this without hurting these people i just thought that was a really interesting piece of humanity and care true or do you think that was just him giving getting away just like anything he can say to like not get them to you know press the button (laughs) that's true well, yeah, yeah I don't think I honestly. Were... Yeah, I honestly don't think the, the the poor dad gave a shit about the 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 top family, right? Like, I think they just thought way to a means of getting cash, right? And then they didn't really care, right? They just yeah. wanted to self kind of self survival. But at the same time, but at the same time, per Hunter's point, like you know, they could have shattered their reality. Like, yeah. there was so much going on, and they ended up doing that in the yeah, end. They did. They actually right. did end up shattering their reality and like basically making them move out of the house, leave everything behind, like everything they Killing thought was the going dad. on. It's like, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true that. Um, literally shattering their reality. Um, but like, I don't know, like for a moment for them to not want to shatter that reality, it's interesting because on the one hand, yeah, it's it's like, it's it is a, somewhat of a humanity thing. Like we could ruin their lives, but we have the power not to. But also, by not ruining their lives, we can continue to be parasitic and benefit off of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this really interesting, like, you know, once we shatter that glass, we can never go back mm-hmm. to That's living true. off of them. Like, a real parasite chooses the opportune moment to take down its host, right? Yeah, you won't just do it at any time. Yeah, you never do it on purpose, right? But yeah, true. Maybe that's part of it too. Like at the end, when he killed the dad, he wouldn't have done that if he still needed that job before things had fallen apart. But once, right. once he didn't have a reason, once like his, his daughter, daughter is died? dying, right. he's like, yeah. I have no reason to hold back anymore. I have nothing to keep me going. So I'm just going to end it. This parasitic relationship is over. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So how do we wrap these things up now? Great question, Colin. Thanks for asking. This episode didn't really have a great cutoff point, so I'm just going to end it here. I hope you're enjoying the Amped About Movies podcast, and we hope to catch you next week when we discuss the 2019 film, Lighthouse. This has been the Amped About Movies podcast, starring Andrew Sicker, Hunter Saturn, Colin Svatos, Chad Goss, and David Black. Music created using the website Soundation. Thank you again for listening, and we hope to catch you next week.